Welcome to a new episode of Good People Talk, the monthly podcast of the Good People Fund. This is where GPF's grassroots changemakers come to talk about how vision becomes reality and impact. Our guest today, Elizabeth Mandel, a New York-based documentarian, writer, and community activist. Elizabeth founded J Girls Magazine, an online publication created by and for self-identifying Jewish teenage girls and young women. J Girls Magazine is a prominent platform where their voices and perspectives can be heard, respected, and amplified, and taken out of the margins of our public conversations. For more information, visit goodpeoplefund.org and jgirlsmagazine.org. Here's GPF Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger and Elizabeth in conversation. J-Girls Magazine is its such an intriguing idea, and I remember hearing about it from Jamie Allen Black, I think, at Jewish Women's Foundation of New York, and I said, this is a really creative idea. What brought you to the point of starting this, and why did you think there was a need and a space for it? I, I have such fond memories of sitting in cafes with you and talking about the world, and thank you for this opportunity to be here today. So I started thinking about J-Girls about... Six years ago, I have three daughters. They are now 14, almost 12, and almost nine. I remember watching these young girls and how outspoken they were and how willing they were to say what they needed and how assertive they were, voicing their opinions and asking for the things that they needed to make themselves feel complete. I knew from research, but also from my own experience uh, and from just being in the world and, and watching the young people around me, that as they grew toward their teen years, they were going to absorb all of the social cues that were telling them to make themselves smaller and quieter, sometimes quite literally. You know, don't take up so much physical space in addition to not, not letting your voice be so loud. And I started to think about what I could give my daughters to let them know that their voices would always matter and their needs would always matter and their opinions would always count and their understanding of themselves and their peers was valuable wisdom that enhanced everybody. At the same time, I had started noticing, you know, as I was thinking about my daughters and, and their trajectories and where they were, they were going, I started noticing that there was a fair amount of media either writing about teenage girls, sometimes specifically Jewish teenage girls, or written by this population, but in publications that were intended for an adult audience. Some of these pieces were, for example, about mental health struggles, and I thought, well, wonderful for these two high school seniors that they have a guest column in the New York Times but their peers aren't going to see them talking about shining a light on mental health issues. Their peers aren't going to read it and feel seen. If it's appearing in a publication that's intended for adults, this is a missed opportunity for young people to, to see the power that they hold being activated. I sort of saw a few of these examples and I thought, well, let me go online and see like where a Jewish teenage girl or, or young woman would go for these examples, either to be seen in their struggles or to have examples and, and models of, of incredible accomplishments. And I went online and I Googled and I saw this real need for a space that was written not only for, but by 
self-identifying Jewish teenage girls that was explicitly and purposefully pluralistic. So it eventually expanded from what platform I could give to my own daughters to more collectively our daughters as a community. You're in the space between media and social action and where they where they intersect. And from your platform, you can really advance aware, awareness and positive impact. How do you how do you look at that space? You know, how potent do you think it is today? I think it's extremely potent. And one of the many lessons that I've learned from the young people with whom I work is that it sits at this intersection of media and activism, both because providing a space where young people's voices are valued, young female people's and young, young non-binary people's voices are valued, is in itself radical. The creation of the platform itself is social action. And also because what I have learned from the young people who write with us and who serve as our editors and our, our photographers, our, our teen staff, is that the act of creating art and the act of creating poetry and essays and fiction and music and videos is a form of activism for them. That they see what they write about and they see having a platform for their voices as a way to promote social action as a way to move toward justice, as they themselves have framed it for me. And what's been interesting for me is some of it is explicitly so. We have a lot of work on our site that's explicitly about social activism. But even when it's not explicitly about social activism, they really feel the power of the written word and of the artistic vision and being able to express and articulate that publicly as a form of activism. What are they passionate about specifically? They're passionate about everything. That, that's part of the beauty of the project is that we created such a pluralistic and diverse space that people are bringing all of their interests and passions and concerns and challenges to the front. Part of the work that's been interesting is so many people, when they initially hear about J-Girls, they assume that all the content on the site is either about being Jewish or about gender. And in fact, we recognize the people who write for us, like all of us, are complex, multifaceted human beings, and that anything that they experience and anything that they create around is viewed through the lens of their gender identity and of Judaism. And therefore, no matter what they write about, it's a work by a Jewish female identifying or non-binary person. So they write about everything. They, they create art about everything. We have a lot of submissions on social justice, social activism, race and racism and anti-racist work, LGBTQ advocacy and self-discovery, relationships, a lot of content on the Holocaust, which has been, that has been a, a surprise to me. I would think so. And they're also writing about modern day anti-Semitism, which is something that they are living. We have content about pressure, mental health, body image, mm -hmm. sexual assault, and also about joy and excitement and the things that they, that they love to do. So it really is, I don't want to say a snapshot, it's an album of this very full, rich experience of what it means to be a young Jewish person living in America today and the many, many, many ways that that can look. We have people writing for us or creating art for us or serving on our teen staff who really reflect the full spectrum of identity. I love that we 
have, and in some cases are still in the process, this is very much a journey of creating a space where so many people from so many different backgrounds and identities and experiences feel comfortable. It's a constantly evolving process, making sure that it feels so open and so accepting. And it's, it's cyclical because again, in order for people to feel welcomed and accepted, they have to see themselves in our pages. So it's an ongoing iteration. Tell us all what you did before that prepared you to do what you're doing now. Having had that struggle, which so many young people do, it's a natural part of growing up. And then having had a very untraditional career path, in some ways we're related, that trying to figure out who I was manifested itself in being interested in so many things and curious about so many things and wanting to know what the world was beyond the, the circumscri circumscribed world in which I had, I had grown up. I lived overseas for, for many years. I taught English in Japan. I worked for the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee in India with the Indian Jewish community. And then I got my master's in international affairs with a focus on gender and development in Asia. While I was in school, while I was getting my master's, I really honed my skills and my, my analysis of gender and using a gender lens to, to look at the world. Following that, I wanted to harness my interests and my knowledge in a creative way. And I went into the field of documentary film, where I was both a producer and a director. The, the films that I made focused primarily on telling women's stories, creating spaces for unheard, untold women's stories. And all throughout this, I've always written. And so much of my writing has been about the experience of being female, of going, of going through the world, female and Jewish. So these, oh. these different components in the media, in spaces that were examining gender, and also all throughout this, I've been an active member of my Jewish community in various capacities. All of these pieces of community activism and Jewish community involvement and working in media spaces and working in spaces that examined and unpacked gender really all came together to this in a way that, that I couldn't have predicted and that, that wasn't expected. I will say I've never thought of myself as an entrepreneurial person particularly. Mm -hmm. I never really sought to create my own organization. And then I had this idea that I couldn't let go of. And the other thing that I will say, when I started, as I noted, I had three very small children and I found it incredibly challenging to be a full-time working mother. In retrospect, it was a little foolish to say, I'll start my own organization and then things will be flexible. <laughs> but even though I work way more hours than I ever did before, the hours are my own. And I can be there for every chumash play and ballet recital and sick day in ways that most professional spaces are not yet able to accommodate working parents and frankly, working mothers in particular, because it is different, particularly when you have very, very young children. I will also say that I hope that COVID and having had us all work from home, the ways that we've learned to accommodate the realities of life and family creeping into professional spaces, I hope that this is one of the COVID silver linings that we continue to hold on to moving forward. I also just want to add um, one more piece in terms of my career trajectory, which was very untraditional, particularly for my generation, where you graduated college. And if you were a young woman pursuing a career, which not everybody was, you went more or less straight on to your first job in that field, or you went straight on to your gra the necessary graduate degree. I moved overseas for years and I tried lots of different things. 
this is also one of the things that I really try to, to talk about and think about with the young people I work with, that there is no one way and there is no one path. And again, this comes back to the, to the diversity and the pluralism piece. What a gift it is to be able to see what other options are out there. And what a gift it is to be able to know that there are many, many different paths that are, are open to you and that you can, you can experiment with and that you can take. And we also talk a lot about perfection culture and achievement culture and how these are manufactured social expectations that harm everybody. And that just because there's a certain expectation on you, it doesn't mean that that's the right, right way. And of course, unpacking how very, very difficult it is to press up against that. And also acknowledging that there's a lot of privilege in saying there are many paths and there are, there's a lot of privilege in saying that you can try many different things. And frankly, I try to also be very open with the young people about the very, very many ways in which I am not perfect, the very, very many ways in which I have failed. I think it's extremely, extremely critical for them to have authentic, open relationships with adults who are saying to them, oh, I really messed this thing up, or I wish I had done it differently, or I thought I was going to be XYZ and people expected me to be XYZ, but instead this other thing happened. You must have assumed a role as sort of the mother confessor. I, I will say one of my favorite parts of the job, I have so many favorite parts to the job. <laughs> one of the favorite parts of the job is these relationships that I've been able to build with these incredible, incredible young mm. people with whom I work. I've made myself very available to them. I, I will say that it's a, a, a relationship of mutual exchange and mm -hmm. learning. You know, as I look over the J Girls magazine, it's the written word, it's, it's art, it's photography. Those media are used to discuss a particular issue. Has there been anything surprising to you in terms of the various shapes that voices can take? What's most surprising to me is how many shapes the voices can take in the in these topics. Right. When I started J Girls, it was J Girls. It was for girls. And we have on our team staff people who are non-binary, people who are trans. We talk about the word girl versus young woman. A lot of the content that we receive is about gender identity. We talk a lot about race and racism in ways that have challenged me to be more mindful and commit resources to my own anti-racist journey. And I'm a much better person for the ways in which the young people with whom I work have challenged and surprised me. We have a very intense, robust curriculum with our teen staff members. I guess I would put it into three categories. We do editorial training to give them the skills and tools that are specific to their work as editors. We do training around leadership skills, for example, active listening and civil dialogue across difference. Third category is, is, talk, is about identity. We conduct workshops with our teen editors around power, oppression, and privilege, the history of race and racism, race and Jewish responsibility, ethnic and racial diversity within the Jewish community. These aren't sort of incidental issues that come up. We've taken a very proactive stance in making sure that our teens have the opportunity to talk about this and learn about it in a space with their peers where they can really unpack and think through what their role is, what their responsibilities are, the way that they are impacted or impact the conversation. I know that when I look at the J Girl site that I am seeing, I'm seeing the girls. You know, the girls are very visible and um, the adults are not. 
And I, I suspect that that's intentional. It's absolutely intentional. This is a space that centers teen voices. And it's also true to the way that we run. Our, our editorial team and our photography team are sophomores through seniors in high school. Mm -hmm. They are doing the work, deciding what goes on the website, shaping the aesthetic, deciding the content, analyzing the content, creating edit notes for our writers so they belong at the center. Their voices are critical to this project. This, this, is, this is a project of their voices. So one of my teens, she used the term supported independence, mm. that we give, we give the teens as much independence as they want and as much support as they need. We talked a bit earlier about the diversity of Jewish girls. There's, you know, there's so many different variations today. So what is it incumbent upon us to do? as individuals to break down those barriers? I love this question. I don't know that I have the answer. I'm, I'm working toward it. So a few things. One, seek out the voices. Read mm -hmm. J Girls magazine. Actively seek out spaces in which voices that are traditionally underrepresented in the Jewish community and more broadly are making themselves heard. Recognize the wisdom in those voices. Recognize that it's not incidental to the lives of adults, but that we live in the world with young people, they are our future. The discussions that shape their lives need to include them, that their opinions and their voices and their perspectives are critical to a broader communal conversation. And also recognize that young people know themselves. They know what their needs are. They know who they are. And they also have an understanding of today's world in ways that older people don't. Listen to them. Listen to the young people. I think that's a dynamic that is playing out more. And I, I, sorry, I just, I just want yeah. to add one more thing. I would say that that's a broader rule of center the voices that have been marginalized more broadly. What's the future of J, of J Girls other than worrying about money? So we, are, we have a few projects underway or in the works. We launched an alumni network in partnership with the Jewish Women's Archives Rising Voices Fellowship two years ago with the understanding that the journey doesn't end upon graduation from high school and that the kind of support that we're giving is critical and also changes as high school graduates move into the college years and then into the professional years. We're, we're exploring ways that we can bring the feminist leadership curriculum that I discussed to a broader audience, online workshops and classes, some kind of convening. There's a very robust ecosystem of organizations that work with Jewish, female-identifying, and non-binary teens. We are honored to be part of and play a role in that, in that ecosystem. How has Good People Fund helped to make the reality of J-Girls? J-Girls' relationship as an organization and my relationship personally with the Good People Fund and with you, Naomi, so both at the organizational level and at the personal level, has been invaluable beyond measure. It was love at first sight for both of us. <laughs> and it was very, very early on. J-Girls was still in its infancy. And Naomi, you representing the Good People Fund, believed in the project and believed in me at a time where we couldn't have moved forward without that support. Right. So first of all, the, the, the time at which the Good People Fund started to support J-Girls was, was critical in enabling us to launch. And then maintaining that 
support over the years as we grew and as we changed. And it's critical to mention that the support goes so far beyond the financial support. As you mentioned, we have a personal relationship. I love that, that the relationship is so far beyond a check that is written and right. is really about a deep and authentic personal connection that offers me practical support and also affirmation. Yeah. It's been fabulous and I'm so grateful. Well, we're very grateful too. This was something that we were long past in needing in our Jewish world. I want to thank you for the time you've given us. Thank you so much for your support and for the opportunity to join you today. And it's so wonderful to see you and to be in conversation with you. Thank you. Pleasures mutual. Thank you. Thank you.